they knocked the door down and literally I was, I was out cold they called the ambulance the ambulance said I had 60 seconds to live like I flatlined four times on the way um, between on the way to the, the, the hospital and at the hospital kidney failure ICU for like three months and like I was I was my body nearly shut yeah. down no, 100%, but should I be successful? 100%, I shouldn't be successful, right? Like, I can't read properly. I am probably one of the worst of business. I just have some resilience, some grit, some stubbornness, and I have an unrelentless passion for, like, knowledge consumption. Mm. And I want to serve the world as best I can. So it's not about being, like, the best at something. It's about trying to help the world as best as you can with something. Growing up, I never thought I was good enough uh, for my dad. Um, when I was 12 years old, um, my mum took me away from my dad and she said to me, um, your dad and your sister don't love you anymore. Um, they don't want to see you anymore. Uh-huh. And they took me, she took me away and I didn't see my dad or my sister for five years. They didn't know where I was. They should just hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, fuck, I'm not good enough for my dad. And like, I think every boy wants to be good enough for that. Yeah. Dad. Everything is your fault. As soon as you understand that everything in business and everything in life is your fault, the situation you're in right now, if you're broke, your fault. Don't have a partner, your fault. Business is going down the toilet, your fault. Overweight, your fault. As soon as you actually take some fucking ownership, then, then only, you can never move forward in life unless you first take ownership. Then when you take ownership, you take responsibility. Okay, you take accountability. Okay, you take responsibility. You take those, you become a victor at life. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Y2 Podcast. Here on the Y2 Podcast, we're all about changing the narrative and rewriting the book about what it takes to be successful for those aspiring to be on and currently traveling the entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial journey. Here on the Y2 Podcast, I find and interview everyday successful entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and dive into their stories to discover what it takes to actually get started and be successful on their journeys. This podcast is meant for anyone and everyone who aspires to do more than they're doing now, but perhaps doesn't know where to start, feels overwhelmed with the prospect of change, or has either been told by somebody else, or maybe themselves, that they just can't do it. This is all about uncovering behind the real stories by people like you who have taken those first few steps and are well on their way to success in order to help shed light on how you can do the same as well. Now, before I introduce you to today's guests, I want to take a quick minute and thank the Y2 Podcast official sponsor, YZ. YZ is an easy-to-use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. I actually love this product so much, I reached out to these guys and wanted to work with them as I see the power of the system for clients. This online training software is very flexible, and you can use it to automate a whole range of tasks in your business. For example, you can manage all of your employee training, train customers and partners in your products, track licenses and qualifications of your staff, create and sell online courses, capture more leads with free online courses, and so much more. Make sure you jump over to their website, yz.com, that's w-y-z-e-d.com, to check out some videos and even get started with your own free 14-day trial. And of course, let them know I sent you a hand on over. But back to the show, and today's guest is Travis Jones, who, quite frankly, hardly needs an introduction. But 
just in case you haven't heard Travis, he's currently the managing director of RBT Gyms, runs a small business consulting company, a digital agency called Think Tank, and if that's not impressive enough, he's also in the process of launching a new health and fitness app. Travis's story is absolutely incredible to say the least. As we explore how he went from a professional rugby player to having just 60 seconds to live to starting and growing various multi-million dollar businesses. I've wanted to interview Travis for a long time now, and he's actually the first person name I wrote down on the list of featured guests that I wanted to have right when I first started the Y2 podcast. As to me, I believe that he embodies the spirit of the YT podcast in that anything is possible as he came from a tremendously disadvantaged background and has battled uphill to get the success he has now. From selling his car to scrape enough money to open his first gym that he ended up living in, to getting his life threatened, to watching him hustle and grind to make his dream a reality through all the make and break moments, his story is absolutely incredible. Honestly, I don't want to say anything else to introduce him because the simple truth of Travis's story is one that you need to hear from himself. Even if you just give 10 or 20 minutes, the passion and the conviction which Travis talks about his stories and provides the lessons from today's podcast is absolutely one you need to listen. And of course, if you like what you heard so far and you want to hear more stories like Travis's, please make sure you subscribe to the Y2 podcast wherever you're listening to this and it'd be great if you can leave a review, especially on iTunes. At the end of the day, these stories are meant to educate and inspire you to take meaningful change in your life, and there's plenty of episodes of the Y2 Podcast coming in the future, as well as a secret new project to be released very soon, but you have to make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. As always, you can follow the Y2 Podcast on our website, projecty2.com, that's projecty, the number two, dot com. Special thanks to Jason Price for editing the Y2 Podcast, and with that being said, let's get to today's chat. Welcome to the Y2 Podcast. Good to be here, man. Mate, um, you know, when I finally got the opportunity to, to book you in, I had, I, had a, I had a real surreal moment for myself because I, I remember sitting back when I first started the Y2 Podcast way back before I'd interviewed anybody and I thought to myself about who would I want to sit down with? Who, who to me is that kind of, that person that personifies the podcast, that person that just seems to have done, defied the odds, just has a story that seems very counterintuitive between where you started and where you are today. And your name was actually right at the top of the list. So having uh, interviewed people, I think we're celebrating about the, about the year mark pretty quick here for the Y2 podcast. It's an absolute delight to finally have the honor to sit down with you. Thanks, man. On top of that, too, we are sitting in RBT South Melbourne's uh, the, the, the main gym where it all began, and we were chatting earlier, and I know a big part of your story is that when you first started the gym, that you slept actually just around the corner uh, a couple meters away, didn't you? Yeah, I lived uh, literally upstairs in a three-by-three-meter room with my dog on a mattress and a heater. 
Yeah. And that was that was literally it. So we're about five meters away from where I, I lived for a good year trying to open this business. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty credible. It's pretty serene to see how it looks like now. And even, I mean, I had the opportunity to train here a couple of years ago and seeing how far it's gone even over the last few years. And just that idea about, you know, back in the day, and we'll, we'll talk about the early days, but about just some equipment chucked in there and just, you know, just trying to hustle and sleeping upstairs. It's, it's a pretty incredible story how far you've come over just really not even that long. Yeah, it's been a good seven years. Um, when we first opened up, obviously, like I, I didn't even have the money to fill out the first um, the first gym. Um, so I had equipment in half of the gym and like had a little sign like the rest of the gym coming soon. <laughs> um, it was like there for like a good six months. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, I love that. You know, I, as I kind of mentioned that, I think you your story really personifies the Y2 podcast because when I when I first kind of learned about RBT and I started learning about yourself, I, I really saw this this very successful business. I know at the time you'd started a few other ventures. We'll, we'll talk a bit more about, but I was I was absolutely blown away to realize that you started your life essentially as actually just a an athlete playing playing uh, uh, a rugby, and then in that obviously going through a real a real life changing moment, and then starting a gym. But looking at your background, it seems very counterintuitive to now be running such a massive gym and consulting. But in that, I do want to sort of start there and to go back into your journey well before RBT and what people know you as. And just to sort of talk a little bit about rugby and how that really became, um, you know, the start of your journey today. So you played rugby league, right? Yeah, rugby league. Yeah. So you just kind of quickly just walk us through a little bit about your career. Yeah, so I guess, like, you know, when you're growing up in Australia, sporting is everything, right? Like, you know, you're going to become a sports star or, like, an accountant. I'm sorry for the accounts out there. Um, so, like, for that, like, I, I literally wanted to become, you know, a rugby league player. And, you know, you, you train in the morning, you train at night. Growing up, I went to a school that had rugby league as a, cl- as a class subject. Um, I didn't really go to many classes and just went, got sent to the principal's office at school time. And um, he was the rugby coach. So, that was good. Uh, so we, yeah, yeah. We just used to talk about the strategy and he'd be like let's go to lunch let's just take it out of the religion budget I'd be like okay let's do it um, so like that was that was school for me like probably some some good things but some bad things now even at school um, I didn't really like being told what to do and I think I learned um, incorrectly at school. I don't believe school is the best. Uh, I, I like. I'd be sitting there in English class, and everyone would be reading this book, and I'm like, I don't like this book. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to read it. And it's not because like, I'm slightly dyslexic. So if I'm not reading something, I don't really enjoy. It. I, I I really can't read it. And I have to read so long, and I mix up words, and it doesn't work for me the best. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I don't like that book. I'm going to read this book because I want to read this book, and I want to learn from this book. Mm-hmm. So I just the teacher would be like, okay, go sit outside and read your book. Um, so I think that's learning in a nutshell for me like if I don't want to learn something you can't force it on me mm-hmm. um, and I was obsessed with rugby league so you know you know, you're training for so long for 10 years to you know like playing state or emerging uh, rugby leagues for Australia or against other countries and you're, you're like I'm going to become a sports star um, I'm going to do this my dream's going to come true and then um, I was contracted to I got a six month contract with um, Canberra over the off season and three months in I um, like you know seven 18 years old three months in I got meningococcal and meningococcal is a bacterial disease um, unfortunately it was like from sharing drink bottles like the most random um, thing you can get and I think every 
obstacle is also an opportunity. So I reflected back, like even a couple of years after it happened, I was like, I'm so glad that I got meningococcal and it ruined my dream because I wouldn't be where I am now yeah. if that didn't happen. And, you know, I, I, I was in my mate's house. I passed out in the shower like over the next morning. Like they knocked the door down and literally I was, I was out cold. They called mm. the ambulance. The ambulance said like I had 60 seconds to live. Like I'd flatlined four times on the way um, between on the way to the, the, the hospital and at the hospital kidney failure ICU for like three months and like I was I was my body nearly shut yeah. down I was super lucky that I didn't pass away I was even lucky that I didn't like, lose limbs like I'm on a video on like every high school in Australia um, <laughs> because like I didn't lose limbs with meningococcal because it, it eats away at your flesh yeah. um, and I was like, okay, let's get back into it. And then like a week out, I was doing like a beep test. I did my knee in a beep test um, <laughs> after after getting out of hospital. I was like, fuck, okay, that dream's over. Yeah. And like I, I went, I sat at home and I remember um, my, my coach back then, like my strength and conditioning coach for football. And it's like, man, like, you know, your dream's not over, but you know, it will be if you just keep sitting here in a fucking room sulking about what did happen. Mm. Um, I was like, fuck, it's true. Um, so I was like, okay, time to keep moving. So I was like, I'm going to become a personal trainer. Um, so then, you know, I, personal training was like my side hustle. I was like, I can still make it as a rugby league player. I can do it. It was just a setback. But they, you know, the doctor then when I was in the hospital also said, you know, your body's been through one of the worst things ever. Like you flatlined so many times, like it went through so much, you're probably going to die early. Like mm-hmm. literally the doctor said that. I'm like, cheers, mate. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but like from there, like, you know, over the next couple of years, I broke my neck. I tore my quad. I tore my, I broke my collarbone. I tore my AC joint. Like, like it was like, it snapped both my front teeth. Like my injury after injury after injury. I was like, fuck, like this profession, I think the world or, you know, whatever your higher power is saying, don't follow this. Mm-hmm. And I believe in signs. And I, I sometimes the first sign didn't get me there, but the 17th sign <laughs> yeah. of injury is like, okay, All okay right, I get it. I get it. I got, yeah. This, yeah. I got this. Like, so I shifted my focus from, you know, health, uh, from like a, sorry, from rugby league to like my side hustle was personal training. I was like, I'm going all in on this. Um, and back then, I was like the worst at sales. I was so fit. I was. I grew up like a. I grew up afraid of rejection. Um, I grew up afraid of essentially. Um, I don't know. It's like grow, growing up, right? You don't want to get rejected from yeah. family or I anything think that's like a that. It's like natural thing. Like fear, and I didn't really understand much about fear back then. I was like, I was doing this business. And I was like, fuck. I was the worst salesperson ever. Um, I was the worst marketer ever as well. Like I was like, hey, you want a free session? And at the end of the free session, I was like, being a PT, I'm like, just didn't say anything. Yeah. I'd be like, they'd walk away. I'm like, oh, fuck, I hope they get back to me and like sign up with my services. Yeah. And obviously, I, my business grew to like 100K anyway, just because of sheer work ethic. And because essentially you were working underneath the brand. So you're running kind of like a mini business essentially in within the, the, the box chain. Yeah. Right? So I was in a yeah, big box gym and you're like a, a solopreneur, like solo business owner doing your own franchise under there. So it's all about, you pay them rent yeah. um, and you just make as much money as you can and charge whatever you want. Back then, literally when I started, you know, people were like haggle me on my prices. I'm like, okay, I'll do a <laughs> session for 25 bucks. I'm like, I don't know. I just want money. Yeah. Um, and you know, for sure like you I learned so much but also I learned that uh, like doing so many sessions I was remember I was doing like 80 90 sessions a week and doing that many sessions you can't be the best because mm-hmm. it's like you burn out but at the same time it's that 10,000 hour rule kind of thing like you know you see someone's you're doing 80 90 sessions a week you're seeing so many squats happen you can start to see the body move better
on. You can start to understand what's mm. going to happen next, and you can really hone your craft on a deeper level. In the next seven years, I literally focus purely on trying to become the best I could at, as being like a personal trainer. But why, did, why was it such a, a relentless pursuit? I mean, you're making 100K. I'm sure if you worked 10 hours, 20 hours less and, and stuck away with 80, you'd you know, be living a pretty comfortable life. What, what was really driving you to, to do so many sessions and to, to want to get to that 10,000 with a PT, 10,000 hours? Um, I think it's a very obsessive nature, right? Like it was obsessive personality. Um, and you know, it was obsessive with sports. It was obsessive with anything I ever did. Right. So, you know, I don't know any other, I don't, there's no off switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was literally work, work, work and try and become better at work, work, work. And that's life. Right. And I think, you know, again, that gets ingrained into you from your, your family. Like I remember, I like, I think we as, as children grow up and we just do what we saw. Yeah. Um, you know, it's different different now as a dad like I, I don't want to like my dad was a great dad but I don't want to be um, not there like he was yeah. um, so it's changed since I've had kids but back then like I, all I knew was okay you just work hard like my dad I saw him every second weekend but like he worked, he had his own business he worked from morning to night on the weekends when he was even with me like he'd take me to his office <laughs> I watched TV and he worked even harder yeah. and all I saw was work I was like okay well I'm just going to work like now I, I don't have football okay yeah. I have work so I'm using that same energy and, and intensity that I used to try and put into becoming a elite sporting player and that was the dream so I was like okay now I'm going to try and become the best in the world at what I do over here mm. and it's always about being the best and I think it's either being the best business being the best trainer being the best at football I think like I am not I was not born gifted okay I was born in a, with another talent it's called work ethic um, and you know it's I think that's the biggest thing it's like Man, like, I, I feel uh, like some of my mates were born with so much talent and they neglect it. I was like, I was wish I was born with the same amount of talent as they had because talent plus work ethic, fuck, that's a that's a evil combination. But I was not born with the same talent. I was born with pure work ethic and you have to try and grind it out to get to as close as where other people get. And I think that's, that's where it went, man. Like, it was just pure fucking work ethic to try to be the best. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, too, just as a, a minor question, what, what type of uh, business did your dad run? Uh, financial planning. Financial planning business. So when you were when you were going rugby and then dedicating yourself to this 10,000 hours, essentially just grinding away at becoming the best PT, I suppose, did you ever at any point have this vision of starting your own gym? Or was it just, I want to be the best at this one thing now? Like, what were you sort of working towards into the future? Or if, <laughs> if anything, maybe. Yeah, when I was 16, I always had wanted to have a gym as well, right? I think that was my... Because you... <laughs> I think growing up as well, you know that, okay, I'm going to have a footy career. And then after my footy career, like, what am I going to do? Um, I was going to have a gym. I was going to be a strength and conditioning gym. Um, and, like, that's where my role models were as well, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, I knew I always was going to have a gym, and I thought it was going to be, like, after 32, 33. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm 33 now. We have 20 gyms. <laughs> uh, I thought I was going to be retired now. Um, but, like, you know, f- for me, it's like I knew where I wanted to go. Um, I just pulled it forward, like, 10 years. Yeah, um, because the rugby league just didn't happen. Yeah, because interesting enough on that too, we we spoke about before that you had the goal by was it by by thirty essentially you wanted to have a million dollar business, didn't you? Yep. And was that inspired from your dad in terms of seeing the success that he had and going, I want some of that for myself uh, and my family? No, no, no. Um, it was inspired by the fact that if I could make a million dollar business, my dad finally would, in his eyes, see me as a success. Mm. Um, so I think like growing up, right? Like, you know, 
and I'll go as personal as I want. Like, like, no, I don't really care. It's like my story. Um, everyone has their own story. Like growing up, I never thought I was good enough. Uh, for my dad. Um, when I was 12 years old, um, my mom took me away from my dad and she said to me, um, your dad and your sister don't love you anymore. Um, they don't want to see you anymore. Uh-huh. And they took me, she took me away and I didn't see my dad or my sister for five years. They didn't know where I was. They, she just hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, fuck, I'm not good enough for my dad. And like, I think every boy wants to be good enough for their yeah, dad. Yeah. Um, so I remember when I was 17... And I saw my sister walking through a shopping center. I was like, five years I hadn't seen her. I was like, hey, Kirst, like, hey, that's you. Um, and she came over and I saw her. And then I sort of like, hey, what's going on? She's like, no, that never happened. Um, and I saw my dad, like we caught rekindled kind of thing. I saw him like two times. And the third time I saw him, he actually died. Um, so he was, he was thrown off the third story of his house, found him dead. Um, and I never really got to close off that part of my life and you know you're immature at some points i know that i like like he loved me obviously mm-hmm. like oh, i think all parents love their kids um and i think it was just one of those things man like i always wanted to grow this business to show him that i was worth it or i am good enough and like that's an immature side of your view but i think at the same time right like that was a chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. i think everyone needs a chip on their shoulder whether it's you've manufactured it with yeah. your own um naive naivety um or not and i think that was the chip that drove me yeah. and i was like 26 years old and i was still like um hadn't started the business and all that sort of stuff and i was like fuck i'm not gonna make a million dollars and i'm not good enough like i said i was gonna make a million dollars by the time i was 30 and i'm actually not sounds like you were kind of now putting yeah. it to yourself you said by 30 yeah. and now you're going oh shit, shit i haven't done it even for myself now so yeah. and i was just like fuck like i'm a sh- talking shit yeah. uh, i was like self-reflection time yeah. um and i was like I-, I i need to change my fucking life was was there a moment do you remember when you finally did make the decision you finally came to this idea that not nah, fuck this is I'm, time is running out this is one day closer to my 30th do you remember if there was a point where you went fuck it um yeah man like i was sitting inside uh, no it, yes and no right i was november um seven years ago it was like 2011 i'm um, sorry so it was november 2010 i was sitting inside fitness first um, I was training like four people at a time because I loved team training because it inspires people. They mm-hmm. push harder. You create energy. And like, you know, I, I was training people like I wanted to train people mm-hmm. and I hate being told what to do. And like, I, I kind of was getting a bit of fulfillment out of it. And then like the management team were like, you can't train that many people. You make too much noise. You do this. You do that. And I was like, fuck that. I was like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm trying to change some fucking lives over here. And it was like November 2010. I was like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm opening my own thing where I dictate the terms, where I can change lives, where I can create a community where people don't say, you can't do this, can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I get to dictate everything on my terms. And you don't do that. You can't do that yeah. unless you own the house. Yeah. Right? So I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm going to own the house. And within three months, I opened RBT. So how did you, I mean, I I do love this part of the story because to go from where you were to being able to get a location and equipment and all that, I mean, I know the story goes, as some people may know, you you sold your car, essentially, but it wasn't just as easy as their shop, there's easy people busting down the door. Can can you kind of walk us through some of those early days of when you first started? (sighs) Yeah, man, like um, it, it was intense. Like I remember 
Um, I was like, I made this. I didn't even have a bank account in November 2010. Super crazy, right? Yeah. Um, I was like, off the grid. I was like, shit, okay, now I need to try and like make myself a legitimate person. Um, and like, I was like, okay, I got to do this. Made the decision in November 2010. Um, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to start looking for locations. So I looked at locations for like a couple of months. As of January, we found this location in South Yarra. It was amazing. Yeah. You know, signed the contracts. Um, I haven't really thought about equipment yet. <laughs> like, I'm always like, what's the next thing? Uh, like, I'm more critical and strategic thinking now, but I was like, what's the next thing I need to do? And now, okay, now, now, now what's the next thing? And that's where I was at right now. Um, and I signed this like lease and like within the 14 days, I'd already told my clients I'd stop training. It was the end of January now. Um, and I'm like, I'm stopping training yeah. for this first. I already gave my four weeks nurse of fitness first. Um, like I was leaving and then they pulled the pin. I was like, fuck. I was like, okay. All that hard work. Just that, poof, yeah, gone. Know. I was like, okay. It was within 14 days of signing. That sounds really sucky. Yeah. And I was like, I've got seven days to find your location. <laughs> And I found this location. Yeah. Um, so it was like super expensive compared to what I, like it wasn't what I thought it was going to be expensive. I was like, yeah, hey, I'm going to make money. This is going to be cool. But now when I look back now, it's probably double the price what I should have gone yeah. in my first location. But hey, go big or go home. Um, and, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to do it. And, you know, what I, what I didn't say to you before, like I sold the car, but I also needed 25K. Um, and like... I wrote out what I was going to do um, and, you know, to a lot of clients, to a lot of people, I actually had about 50 meetings. I was like, I need $25,000. I can give you 4% of the business. Mm -hmm. Okay. 4% of the business for (laughs) 25,000. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I need 25,000 for 4% of this business. And they're like, you know, I had like nearly 50 people go. Like, you don't even have a business. Yeah. Like, what are you selling me? Like, it's a yeah. bunch of scribble on a piece of paper. I was like, man, no. Like, I, I'm going to get 216 clients. They're going to pay me $50 a week. I'm going to make $570,000. If you yeah. want, if you want 4% of this, okay, yeah. that's cool. Like, you can get it and it's going to pay you every year, every week for the rest of your life, right? Like, you can have this. Um, and and I got, like, so many no's. And I had how, one. How did that feel, though? Because all of a sudden you go, I need this money. Everything's all of a sudden riding on it. And you burn the boats. You get 50 people saying no. How did you feel? I just needed to find the right person to say yes. <laughs> so it's just a matter of, no, they said, no, that's man. fine. I'm it's like, like everything is a matter of time. Yeah. You know, you go to a bar, you ask enough girls out, one will say yes. Like I was happy to find my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to a, um, you try and sell personal training, you ask enough people to buy it from you, even if you're the worst salespeople. You do enough, you find the person that says yes. Mm-hmm. Life is a fucking numbers game. Just never, no one ever pushes the envelope enough to get to the number that says yes. I'm just the fucking stubborn, resilient motherfucker who just keeps going. Yeah. Um, so like the 50th person is like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Here's 25,000. <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah. Bang, deposit. Done. Um, so I had to pay security deposit and bonds. So um, the the car selling got the first like kind of month of equipment and the 25,000 paid the security. I didn't have the bond as well for the business yet. And I was like, told the people who were doing it, it's like, yeah, it's in between accounts. Like I'll get it to you. Um, it took me like three or four months to get that done. But then like, the business was alive. Um, you know, I, I had enough equipment to do some one-on-one still and do a little bit of group training, um, some little small tr- training, and, and that was it. That was the start of IBT. And I suppose on the flip side, I, you know, I asked you how you felt uh, earlier, but how did it feel when you were actually starting it, when you were working in your gym, even though you were still trying to, you know, probably had a few few rude messages, but how did it feel when you were actually then working with people in, in your own house? Like, to be honest, man, like, it was, it was pretty surreal opening my own gym. Um, like, it was a dream. 
and you know you you have this sort of yeah I, I, like I, I've completed stage one of yeah. my dream right um, and you know you're literally it's, it's stopping dreaming at night time when you go to sleep to waking up and you're actually dreaming while you're awake yeah um, and that's pretty cool I knew that okay this is going to happen then I'm going to fill the rest of the gym out and all the rest of it and you're painting and you're painting the outside I've painted this place myself it was fucking yellow uh, <laughs> when I first took it over and I was like you know I was hanging off the roof over the side yeah. like painting and people are like this guy's going to kill himself like the people <laughs> on the street um, but like you do everything at the start of a business um, so if you're not willing to work like 22 hours a day um, that's if you want success right mm-hmm. like you know or if you have money if you have money like hire some people and get it done mm-hmm. but like at the start I had zero money okay I had zero employees so you do everything like that's how it is yeah. um, and it was cool because I got to dictate my terms um, you know we we you know, I lived upstairs, so I had to give up my house. I lived in the, my dog, and you know, he ate sometimes, and I didn't. Um, <laughs> but that—that that was my choice because I got to make the decisions now. Yeah. Um, so I chose this life. So you can't complain when you choose the life that you you have. Yeah. And we all choose these these decisions. I could have chose to stay there, okay, or I could have chose to come here. So I com- can't complain with the decision I made. Um, it was cool. Worked super hard. Yeah. It was it was some of the, the toughest times I ever had, um, and it was also the best times I ever had. Yeah. I think it's you know something you said there too has been a big learning for me too that you choose the life and you can't really complain about it because you choose it. But at the same time, not choosing is a choice in itself, isn't it? So even that. if you don't choose, it's not that you absolve that ability you still have to own it one way or another 100 you get to choose the what if i did that and then you get to choose regret in like 30 40 years time yeah so you started the business but i know that it wasn't quite smooth sailing you wasn't quite "Ah, that's it kick back and we have you know rbt as it is what were those first couple months like i know there's uh i know for yourself those first sort of four months it was a bit of a make or break still wasn't it even even once the building was up and the paint was in it wasn't just done it was still yeah, man, it was intense. Um, I, I asked a lot of trainers to come work, and a lot of them said, "No, nah, you just prove yourself first, and then I'll come because they mm-hmm. weren't they want to leave their contract yeah. with a company to come to another company that might not even be around." So I ended up getting like a couple of my mates came across. I didn't charge them rent, and in return for working for me, they had to work for eight hours a week. Um, so I got four people. Mm-hmm. So I got thirty two hours a week of unpaid labor for them to um, essentially do their own PT. Yeah. Probably illegal. Like it doesn't matter at that point in business. Sometimes you've got to bend the rules a little bit. Um, they got what they wanted, mm-hmm. not paying the two, three, four hundred dollars a week rent to work at a gym, and they just had to give me eight hours. So yeah. it's great for them. Um, and so I had, had we were working, we were hustling, um, we were getting ahead a little bit. But then month four came around because you got I got three months rent free. I was like, shit, I need to. Um, pay twelve thousand dollars for this rent thing <laughs> i was like i didn't don't have that yet and so did you, was, did you see that coming though were you at month two going shit i got this twelve thousand dollars every man. day it's like <sighs> yeah but it's like um parkinson's law right like you study for the test on the last night yeah. um you know you find the twelve thousand yeah, dollars in the 14th day left yeah. <laughs> um so i was like okay um need this twelve thousand dollars or everyone's right i'm gonna be shut down and um i'm a loser um, because you're a winner or you're a loser. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, okay, how am I going to do it? I was like, I'm not going to discount the services right now. I can't do that. I'm going to go 
and um, what's a complimentary service or infrared sauna. Saunas are great. They help with detoxify the body. Going to do that. Called up Spreets, who I did it through, like Groupon. And I was like, I want to do this infrared sauna deal. It's normally $99 for the month for eight sessions. Mm-hmm. I want to put it up on uh, Spreets. And we did it for like $29. And they were like, man, you don't have a website. Um, you don't have a website. We're not putting your deal on our site. I was like, yeah, oh, I do, I do. It's just down right now. I was yeah. like, and because I had to learn everything when I first started business, I made a website. And this is probably pre-Squarespace, pre-Wix. Oh, so. like, it's pre-everything. Yeah. You're like literally trying to make a website. Yeah. Um, and I am not a technical person, but I had to learn a lot of stuff. I was like, okay, I made, a, made this website. And I'm like, it looked like crap, but there was a couple of pictures on there. And it's like, it was like, I have an infrared sauna. Yeah. It was like, pulled that picture from Google um, and they're like okay let's do it so it was like 12 days now um, left and they put this deal up and there hasn't been really any deals so it was like a hole in that marketplace for infrared saunas on there yet and it went crazy hmm. it sold like 800 deals 900 deals it was it was literally insane they sold $21,000 in 10 days worth of sauna deals wow yeah don't you wish you Charged up the price a little bit. Oh, <laughs> fucking insane, man. They took $6,000 of that because yeah. I negotiated like a 30, 30% sort of fee. Um, and, you know, it was like two days left and I cut a check. Before I had to pay rent, I was yeah. going to shut down. I got cut a check for $15,000. <laughs> I was like, fuck, that is a get out of jail card. Yeah. Um, so I got this $15,000 and I didn't even own a sauna. Um, at this stage <laughs> I was going to ask if you're this broke how did you afford the sauna in the first place right, so. I did not even have yeah. a sauna um, so I was like got on the phone like googled an infrared sauna um, and bought it from this company called J&H Saunas and I was like man I need you would express deliver this to my, my gym um, and yeah, legitimately like I was like Ah, man, I don't know. I, I, I was, I, I had 15,000. The sauna was 2,000. The rent was 12,000. Um, <laughs> luckily on the deal, I, um, I said, you can't use this till two weeks after you bought it. Yeah. So it gave me time to get the sauna. Uh, so it got there within seven days. People started flowing through using this sauna and I had a thousand dollars in my pocket to wow. last me another month. You know, the thing too I love about this and even about the location is for people who haven't been to the location. And I still remember my first time walking up going, uh, car automotive shop automotive shop automotive shop tire shop automotive 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 and then boom the gym kind of thing too so it's not like you were in a high traffic well-known area you are off a street in the inner suburbs kind of tucked away in a mini industrial area as well yeah. too yeah man like that's our whole business model yeah. right like it's not being in foot traffic we had to learn how to market um but and that was a big thing for me. But yeah, I remember my wife, she joined up and like she saw, she actually bought the sauna deal, my wife. Hmm. Uh, and that's how I met her. She walked out of the sauna <laughs> and it was like 6 a.m. and I was like cooking bacon and eggs. Yeah. I live downstairs, right? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, <laughs> oh, how you doing? Yeah. Um, and she bought the sauna deal. And she goes, uh, like, she literally rocked up to the gym. And as she parked, she looked at there's like um, some bikey gang, like five doors down back then. And she called her friend. She's like, just so you know, I'm going to this location right now. If I don't call you in 90 minutes, yeah. call the police. That yeah. was literally what she did wow. because it was like seven o'clock at night. And yeah. she was like, this place is freaking me out. But that's where we are, right? Um, they're gone now. Um, we're still here. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we uh, look a little bit happier. Um, but no, it's good, man. It's, it's just stories. 
So as as time come on, you hit hit a bit of this break. Um, I know you obviously made the decision at one point to move out of the gym. Had you opened up another gym at that point, or was it finally like I've got a bit of money, I need to move out of this three by three? Um, I was in a relationship at the time. Um, I had to move out. It was time for me to to like get into another place. Um, so after a year, I moved into another location. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, like, you know, with all partnerships, you learn, um, whether it be a relationship or a partnership, um, a lot of money actually went missing um, mm. in that relationship and that partnership, and it dissolved, and I'd moved back into the gym. Oh, wow. So you eventually yeah. moved back. Yep. So I suppose <laughs> even then, I mean, see, so when did you sort of open the second gym? Like, was it, was it right away, or no, were you kind of like grinding years, away man. and just building It was like two years. So... The first, oh, was it like, I'm sorry, it was like two years. Um, I'm very entrepreneurial, right? When people's things start to stabilize, I get bored. Yeah. So I built the first gym, and after the first year, like, you know, I learned how to market finally. It wasn't walking the streets. Like, me, this is, this is called, um, this is hustling, right? Yeah. To build the gym to the first, like, 150 members, I used to walk the streets of South Melbourne offering people free work training. Um, I knew it was like, where do people go at lunchtime? And around the corner from here, there's like a park where people used to go and eat their lunch. I used to go and walk there with a clipboard mm. and a, like a folder and used to walk up to people and just give them free training. Yeah. And then that's how I, I built the business. I was like, I need to learn how to market because this is stupid. Um, <laughs> it's getting me somewhere, but it's stupid. Yeah. Um, like, because it's like time versus effort. Like I would never scale the company. Um, I was like, I need to learn how to market. I'm fortunate enough, had a lot of great mentors, and how to market after the first year I was like I'm going to start this online thing because I want to change more lives mm. and like January year two um, I was like I'm going to start this thing called Transforming 28 like because we got great results right and I started with a free group um, and I had like who wants to meet to transform online I had like 200 people in there and after the first month I was like okay who thinks what this is worth and I had a big poll and I was like, if you refer someone in, like you can have another month. And then, you know, after like three months, I was like, went to PTs. I got 32 PTs. Like you can sell this system as an affiliate and you can take Mm. a percentage and I'll take a percentage. Like, man, like within six months, we had uh, 5,000 people in an online program paying us 10 bucks a month. I made a $50,000 a month online business in six months without running an ad. Yeah. Um, like it was fucking crazy. Um, but then that was going into my ex's bank account. So like mm-hmm. seven months later, I shut the whole business down. Um, and, uh, we opened up number two. Yeah. This, <laughs> you know, this might seem like a bit of a stupid question, but what do you attribute the success to, to that from? I mean, we, you know, we just talked about, you got the spritz thing and that just blew up. Now you get the 28 day transformation that just blew up. I mean, what do you attribute especially in these early days I mean you're still a couple you're still putting the rungs on I mean we're not talking like this is the 20th 30th venture kind of thing this is still very early on what do you what do you attribute the success to in terms of that um, I, I used to post on Facebook before people posted on Facebook <laughs> um, like yeah. I, I, it was never a strategy I always come from a place of service yeah. Um, so yeah like early Facebook I was a bit of an idiot sometimes um, but like in general like I started serving people on Facebook and created a following like Facebook has always been my platform I think my personal profile mm-hmm. has at least generated me about six seven million dollars just from friends paying mm-hmm. me money or followers because you got like you know five thousand friends and you got like your yeah. ten thousand followers um like 
from a place of service and like you know you come to facebook it's a conversation-based platform um it's not just a platform for you to bitch about your fucking life um <laughs> or is, or, or, yeah exactly <laughs> so it's like you know for me i was like okay gonna serve gonna serve gonna serve gonna serve and i served every day and um you know when i essentially and like i ruffled feathers you polarize markets yeah. um and you know it came to the point where i was like i'm going online and people were like i've been waiting Mm. And it's like, when I was going to open the gym, it's like, I've been waiting. Because if you're good at what you do and you keep coming from a place of service and people, then people will be waiting for you. You don't just like wake up one day and go, hey, like, like I'm, I don't know anything about fitness, but I'm opening a fucking gym. Like, that's what happens. The guys around the corner from here and they shut down within six months. You have no place to be in that marketplace. No right whatsoever. But was that a deliberate strategy? Like you mentioned you want to serve people, but was it the idea that you want to serve to then be able to convert that down the road? Or what was um, sort of the thinking I always, I was, Yeah, yeah, yes and no, man. Like, you know, I use Facebook in a strategic way. Um, and you know whether people like it or not right like you know facebook is facebook um i use it to make money um i also i but i only make money because i serve people yeah <laughs> so well, it becomes like, one it's, the it's same, one the same yeah. right so you know you, i think all businesses you, you open businesses to make money so to make money how do i serve the marketplace is the best where's the easiest way for me to get people from that marketplace facebook that's where conversations happen um so back then 100 i read the book called the go-giver probably like nine years ago and it was like all about giving and mm. like how he got so much and like you know robert cialdini's like um book influence was amazing book as well and i was like okay like reciprocity he talks about in that as well i was like <clears throat> i need to be liked i need to give um okay if I, people like me and i can give well they're going to want to give back and they're going to probably give back money yeah <laughs> um yeah. so like facebook was strategic well, even in that too that, that is a good segue into the sort of this other question i have in the back of my mind and we spoke about this before that you had done ten thousand hours of, of pt essentially right like you, you had that down there's still growth but for sure there's like you put you in a gym and you're gonna you're gonna help somebody out right there's really little doubt yeah. of that but the whole business aspect of it besides running a bit of you know getting a little bit of experience in within the the box gym where did you start to get some of that business and experience and that that, that acumen? Um, YouTube, man. No, seriously, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, I, I think YouTube is probably one of the most, most underrated resources that people um, ever could, could lean on. Um, like, I still YouTube, like, probably in half an hour to an hour a day. Like, you know, Jack Welsh. Like, I'll look at Peter Drucker. Like, I'll watch keynotes and I'll pull a gem. Mm. And I'll be like, how can I then use, utilize that in my business? I read blogs. Uh, you know, I'll read 50 books a year. Um, books cost $10. There's no excuse not for knowledge. Mm. Um, so it's like, I, I tell people like, you know, in the five years, it's seven years since we opened RBT, you know, probably like 300 books deep mm. um, of business because that was my focus now. Um, five years will pass no matter what. In five years' time, you could be 50 books deep in a topic mm-hmm. over five years. So 250 books deep. Could be 50 books on marketing, 50 books on sales, 50 books on leadership, 50 books on team development. Like, that's 250 books, right? If you already have your, you know, 250 books on as a technician, mm-hmm. and then you go 250 books as a business owner, that's 10 years, that's 10 years and you're an expert at your craft and an expert at business. Combine those two together, you're an unstoppable force. Mm. It's just no one wants to apply 10 years of their life to reading fucking books. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but even the same too, like the thing I love is that even if you don't want to read the books, get Audible. 
Oh, right. 100%. <laughs> you know? but, like, but people, like, I think this is the problem though, also. Like, people underestimate, oh, sorry, they overestimate yeah. what they can do in a day and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. RBT isn't 10 years old yet, mm-hmm. um, right? Like, it's not 10 years old yet. So, you know, I can overestimate. I'm going to, oh, I can't read a book. I don't have time. It's like, bullshit. Like, you have 30 minutes. 30 minutes yeah. is 10 pages minimum, right? So, 10 pages a day will give you about 18 books read a year. So if you had 45 minutes, you'll read 25 books a year, Yeah. right? 45 minutes a day. I was like, I don't have time. We'll wake up 45 minutes earlier. We'll wake, you know, go to bed four minutes later, 45 minutes later. The only problem is, the only problem is, it's not that you don't have time. You have more important priorities. Yeah. So everyone has the same amount of time every single day, right? No one has more time. No one has less time. You're spending your time on things you think are more of a priority than, you know, reading a book or your success or mm. your legacy. You know, you're spending it on fucking drinking alcohol and hanging out with friends who probably don't even like you. Yeah. yeah. I think that idea, that, that, that minor verbal cue of it's not that I don't have time, it's that it's not a priority. Because if you start looking at it that way, it's, oh, I don't have... I'm going to go ahead with my friends, not because I don't have, you know, I'm not going to work on this, not because I don't have time, but because it's not a priority versus what I'm doing at the moment, hanging yes. out with friends and all that. And I think there's a collective balance in there somewhere. Sometimes maybe you do need to relax, decompress, avoid burnout by hanging out with your friends, but at least it starts to, I think, put it in more of a healthy spectrum to balance. So um, now you, you have a lot of really great ideas too. I want to dive into this for just a quick moment around, around mentorship as well, because in the sense as you talked about books and, you know, YouTube and whatnot, you know, I guess, can you walk us through some of your early mentorship relationships in terms of the value and the importance that that had on where you are today? Yeah, man. Like, I think the biggest thing is six months in, I was like, I need to get better at, um, I need to get better at this whole marketing thing. And I saw this guy in the States was, you know, running a uh, must, if, you, if you're the best at uh, repping his blog website, the best, uh, you want a year of masterminds and coaching. Um, and I was like, fuck, okay, how do I rep this guy's blog the best? I need this. This mm-hmm. is going to be like, this is what I need. Um, and you know, everyone was around the world, Eiffel Tower, holding up signs, like repping his blog. I was like, shit, I can't really match this. <laughs> I was like 30 days in, it was a 30 day competition. I was like, okay, um, what do I have to do to win? Drove down to the tattoo shop. I literally tattooed his website across the back of my shoulder, hmm. sent a photo of that in. He was like, man, you are crazy. <laughs> uh, you were literally, you yeah. tattooed my website on your fucking back. Yeah. I was like, yeah, hundred percent. I'm crazy, man. Do I win? He's like, yes. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, the only part that matters. Yeah. Um, I was like, cause I win, you win or you lose. Um, and some days you do lose. Yeah. Um, but let's just hope you win more days than you lose and you'll win a business. And I was like, I knew that that was a pivotal point. So I was like, okay, cool. I learned, I'm going to learn how to do marketing. I learned that. And then I need to get a Facebook expert. And I was a seven day mentorship. And I was like, okay, I had a car two years later. Cause it was two years into RBT now. Sold my car again. Okay. Sold a car to do a seven day marketing internship on Facebook ads. Yeah. Okay. Like that, like you just do it. Yeah. I am a person that you just do whatever you need to do, okay? Don't think about the fucking um, ramifications. I have to walk around the suburb, walk around South Melbourne for another year, mm. another six months, cool. But from there, like that Facebook marketing course is like, cool, I understand Facebook ads now, bang, license to print money. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though too, I mean, you know, we've talked about how you have this relentless drive and this relentless focus as well too, but... I suppose for yourself, after you started one or two gyms kind of thing, I mean, in a sense of what you kind of had at least talked about in terms of being able to do it, like you've proven it, you can do it, you've done it, you've got a business. What was sort of the drive then to say, okay, I want a third business and a fourth business and a fifth business. What was the drive to keep pushing and sacrificing as well too, selling your car again and probably, you know, putting money back into the business you could have taken out. Why did you keep going through all that? 
I, I think at the end of the day, man, like it's just this constant, um, like you just want to make a difference. Um, it comes down to multiple things, right? Like there's these six human drivers. Um, and I think significance was a big driver for me back then. Like, and it's probably, it's not now. Um, Did you know that at the time though? Like, is no, something 100%. you can look back now? Yeah, I can look back. Yeah. I can see the personality traits that drove me yeah. and what served me and what didn't serve me. Um, it served me in a way. Mm-hmm. Like in your, in your twenties, like males go through a lot of significance as a driver, right? There's significance, there's, um, variety, there's connection, um, there's certainty. I was a set, certainty and significance driver and then there's growth and contribution um like i was certainty i had certainty as a driver so when people things didn't go my way i'd get really stressed mm-hmm. certainty can never be a driver yeah um but i had significance and certainty as a primary driver i was like i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna open up all the gyms and you know i wanted to have these partners on board and i wanted to help them so it was a pace of contribution and growth as well and you know the partners are now I don't have partners. It's all RBT is ours, but we have the percentage in the bigger company. So it was a smarter mm. decision. We did that last year. Um, but um, for back then, I was like, I think it was just the significance of like, I can do this. And it was like, you know, you told me I couldn't do one. Fuck you. I'll do four. Mm. Um, so again, you carry this chip on your shoulder and whether it's an unhealthy chip or a healthy chip, whatever pushes you forward, like I don't care, like find your chip and use it to move forward. Has your chip ever not served you though? On the flip side, have you ever found any instances where it, where it was a hindrance or has it moved you away from what you were wanting to achieve? Um, if you drive by ego, yeah. Uh, I think you know you must have an ego to be in business. Okay, mm-hmm. you must. Yeah. Because all of us, like, you have to have an ego to be in business because you're like. I'm going to start a business to serve people. Well, if you don't think you're good at something, yeah. you're not going to do that. And if you think you're good at something, you have an ego. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's simple, yeah. right? So some people are like, you shouldn't have an ego. I was like, well, you fucking need one. Um, you need to have enough ego to go, yeah, I'm the fucking best, the best in this area. Yeah. And I'm going to be the best in this area and people are going to come for me. So like you have to have the ego, but then you have to have humility to match that. Go, I, I want to be the best. So I need to learn from more people or I need to hire people smarter than me Mm. to get this business to where it is. Or like it's a constant never ending improvement mentality, right? So if you have that ego matched with the right humility, okay, that's what actually gets you proper success. Yeah, because this is something that for me, back to that sort of traditional success narrative, people will say, well, what are the attributes that that you need the most in order to be successful kind of thing? And about how if people said ego, ego is generally viewed as a negative attribute, right? You know, determination stubbornness can sometimes be viewed as a negative attribution but uh, the way I've been trying to look at it and the way I want to have these conversations too is like it's hang on a sec let's wind it back a little bit let's put it in the balance of if you're strictly ego driven without something to counterbalance that then yeah you could do head wrong into the, into the into the wrong decision but how do we take those perceived weaknesses or those perceived negative things and how can we twist it to use it to our advantage like even yourself you mentioned you're obsessive and very driven how can you use that to your advantage right yeah, okay. Ego has treated me wrong. Sometimes you should, again, stay in your own lane. Um, a year and a half into opening IBT, I was like, it's Thermomixes, right? I was like, I'm going to make money from Thermomixes. <laughs> so I went on Alibaba.com. I found this Thermomix creator that was selling it for like 200 bucks. I pre-sold like $50,000 worth of Thermomixes. <laughs> I bought them for $10,000. So I didn't have a huge markup. I sold them for 1000 um, bucks. And then I paid the 10 k and the Thermomixes never came. 
Wow. <laughs> uh, so I lost. I lost $10,000. Yeah. Um, and back then, 10000 was so much. Um, I was like, oh, shit, that hurt. Um, I was like, but the upsides, I could have made fifty. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, if I ever do this again, I'm going to hire someone who actually understands the logistic of buying shit from Alibaba. Yeah. Um, so, like, that hurt me. Um, you know, believing your bulletproof hurt me too, right? Like, you know, the Bali retreats um, we did, like, a year and a bit ago. Um, like it was amazing. I would not actually swap this out, um, ever doing the Bali retreats. Cause we did like 13, 14 personal retreats. And, um, I got to spend time with like 130, 140 people over that year. And I got to, I think change their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend seven days with someone, you get to go deep into their life and hope them move forward. And some of the people was like the best week of their life. And, um, it was good, but you know, I, I got the first location that got knocked back. I had to, within 24 hours, go back on a flight to Bali. Um, I found another location. It was like 200,000 us more expensive. I'd already <laughs> sold out three, three retreats. Yeah. So I was like, shit, I need to do this. Um, you know, I thought the equipment was going to cost me 10,000. Well, they said that I had to bribe someone to get it in or buy it from them. So it cost me 50,000. So I was like 250,000 deeper than what I thought. Exchange rates blew yeah. out that year as well. I was like, fuck, like that's another 100,000 over the year. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 350,000 deeper than I thought. Um, and we just didn't rent it out enough. So I lost for spending like six months of the year in Bali. Um, not 100% focusing on the other businesses because I had to be there because I couldn't, you know, afford not to be there. Uh, we probably lost like 160, 70,000 for running retreats for a year. Mm. Um, like that in itself, like sometimes I, I think I'm bulletproof and it's like, oh, I'm not. I'm not yeah. bulletproof. But it's like, again, like I would not not do that again. Like that was so cool. Mm. Like I got to live in a villa for six months. I got to have these staff. I got to spend time. You know, I was like, good. Like one, good. I'm not bulletproof. So I was like, okay, stay in your lane. Kind of nasty back a bit to say, okay, yeah, there was yeah. You know. But I got to spend some fucking time with some amazing people. Yeah. Um, and it was hard again. Like Liv was pregnant. She couldn't come over for a bunch of them because like there's a Zika virus. So I had to spend some time by myself. Um, it's like you're spending like three weeks in a, in, a, in like a literally a, a you know with a bunch of people, but you're isolated, right? Yeah. You're by yourself. And I was like, oh, okay, this is probably good for me. Like, cause I'm had to think about my own thoughts cause I'm not someone that's not the best with their own thoughts. Uh, so, so it was good some personal time. It was good to become a, the next person that I need to become. It was good to understand. It's like, no, fucking stay in your lane. Like your lane isn't retreats right now. Like your lane is this. Uh, it might be in the future, but it's not right now. Okay. You don't have that. Okay. So it pushed me back to, to refocus and recenter and, um, yeah, man, like that's that's two times where either significance or ego kind of hurt me. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, it's a learning factor. I think it's like, okay, uh, where do I learn? Okay, you know, you know, if something's good, then good. Something's bad, then good. What did I learn? Yeah, Jocko uh, Willie, Jocko, which yeah. a massive fan of him, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, okay, good. I'm glad I lost because I need more losses because I'm never going to hit home runs with fucking, you know, just connecting with that ball every single time. Yeah. I need to lose more and I need to lose faster. Um, and the faster I lose, then all well, the faster I win. Yeah. You mentioned something as well too. I might've just been something passing, but I, I do want to go back to it for a question for a second. And that's, you mentioned you're not good with your own thoughts and you, you were forced to sit and actually think and think your own thoughts, I guess. What do you mean by that? 
Um, like, I think, you know, forever, it comes from growing up as well, man. Like, you know, I, I think forever, I, I grew up thinking that I wasn't loved. I grew up thinking that I wasn't good enough. I grew up thinking that people didn't like me. Um, this is literally how I grew up. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. And, and I think, don't think, you know, parent, I said, it was saying to someone yesterday, right? Like, I'm not trying, I'm trying to be a different person to my dad or my mom. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not saying they were bad parents. They parented the best that they thought. Okay. Um, they did. And they used the resources that they had. You know, did they fuck me up? Yeah, for sure. But they didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they tried their hardest. And I was like, with Jackson, like, I try not to raise my voice. Like, I try to be there and, and yeah. like, I finish work at 4.30 so I can be there. I try not to drop me off at creation until, like, 9.30. Like, I want to grow this business so I can be the lunch lady at school. Mm. Like, but, like, I don't know if that's going to be the right dad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be the right person, like, the right, you know, parent. But all we can do is we can pick our journey in life and hope that we make the right decisions. Because that's what we're doing. We don't know if that's the right decision. I don't know if making 20 gyms is the right decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know if trying to scale to 50 gyms is the right decision. I'm just trying to live life at, at what I think is best, mm-hmm. right? So, like, growing up, like, you know, I had this sort of feeling that people didn't like me because I didn't think my dad loved me, my sister loved me, you know, my mom, I didn't think she loved me. Like, I was constantly, like, cast out. So, I was like, fuck, like... Like I always had to be around people and buy them drinks or buy them dinner because mm-hmm. like I that's you know there's these five love languages right mm-hmm. and I you know whenever you know they did something bad they bought me a gift yeah so I was like that's how I thought you should love yeah right so it's like there's words of affirmation there's acts of service there's quality time there's gifts there's physical touch I was like I used to buy my friend shit because that's what I used to buy my that's partner what you do. Stuff. I do this that's you what love I do me love back. me back. Yeah. And like, I was like, fuck, like, that's how I thought I showed love and care. And I was like, I was like, that's not how you show love. Everyone wants to receive love differently, but that's only because I thought that's what love was. Uh, so man, like I couldn't not be around people because if I wasn't around them, how did I know if they liked me or not? Uh, so it was really fucked up. But like, then you're like, okay, I was sitting by myself and I worked on it a little bit before. And it's like, I, I like... I cared so much about what people thought and that was my biggest downfall. Um, but I, I sort of did, you know, I did date with destiny, like probably, I don't know, five years ago now with the whole Tony Robbins thing. And I already started some self-reflection stuff before that. And I was like, I need to caring about what other people think is not a good way to live life. Cause you're always going to upset someone. Yeah. Okay. Somebody will be someone's gonna, every time. You, yeah, yeah. You could, you could give someone, you could save someone's life. And because you saved their life, you didn't save someone else's life. And people are like, Oh, he's such a cruel individual. Uh, it's like, you're always going to let someone else down. So all I thought back to myself is like, okay, all I'm going to do from now on is I'm going to wake up and I'm going to serve the world the best I can possibly serve it. And by doing that, I'm going to serve them with giving zero fucks about what everyone else thinks. And that was literally yeah. a statement. That's an affirmation. I used to say to myself every morning. And it's like, I'm going to serve the world today the best as I possibly can with giving zero fucks to what anyone thinks. Because that's how I'm serving the world. Because if I give a fuck, then I'm not going to serve the world the best yeah. as I possibly can. Because I'm going to give a fuck about what they think about me, which, which will change my voice and change what I'm contributing to the world, which then dampens me, which means I'm not fully serving. So I can't give a fuck if I'm trying to really, truly serve. So I'm just like, fuck. Okay. Zero fucks mentality from now on. Serve, zero fucks. That was it. And that was literally like... Inner, inner work <laughs> um, and that's being by myself at that time it's like okay let's do some more inner work 
And how did things change after that then? Did you notice any tangible changes, whether it be just how people interacted with you or anything in the business, any sort of feedback that was like, yeah, you're on the right path with this? Um, yeah, man. Like, a lot of people stopped talking to me. Um, like, because I always wanted people to, to like me. Yeah. Um, like, I, you know, I, people were like, hey, can you help me out with the business? So I was like, yeah, for sure, man. And I knew they were only reaching out for my help yeah. or because they could get something from me. And I just, like, yeah, for sure, I'm not going to help you anymore um, because you, you're a taker. Um, and that might sound selfish, right? Like, so anyone listening is just like, oh, all of a sudden you became like a selfish asshole. Uh, I was like, no, nah, like, it's not selfish because if I spent 90 minutes helping this one person who was only going to take from me and then I was going to take from me again, everything in life is a sacrifice, so if I sacrifice that 90 minutes to give to that one person, I'm sacrificing 90 minutes that I could be changing the world. Yeah. Helping so, two other people. No, that's the thing. Yeah. So it's actually selfish to me helping that one person because instead I could be doing a podcast. Yeah. Instead I could be doing a video. Instead I could be you know, consuming more knowledge to share with more people. Yeah. So by doing it, it's also selfish to them because if they're not paying me for my time, they're not going to take in the knowledge I'm giving them. Yeah. They're not going to really respect the knowledge I'm giving them. So it's only being, it's being selfish to them because they're not respecting themselves enough to actually pay for my time to help them to actually move them forward because they're not going to take my knowledge as gospel, yeah. which they should if they're asking for help. Um, so reading books and there's like a lot of time as well. It's like very like, I was a snap, like a frustration person. I was like reading a lot of books and it's like Viktor Frankl, like a, um, oh, a man's search for meaning. Incredible book. Yeah. Incredible. It's probably, that's, that's my yeah. favorite book of all time. Yeah. Um, my favorite book of all time. It's like, you know, he says, you know, and I talk about this, like between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies growth and freedom. That, that statement alone like you can do anything to me, but I have the power to choose how I react yeah. and the emotions that I use. So instead from that day on, I read this book and I reflect on all the rest of us it. like, oh, fuck, I'm choosing the wrong emotions. Like I'm not serving them by being frustrated yeah. with them. I should empathize with them. I'm sorry you feel like that. Yeah. I'm sorry you're getting angry at me. Like I empathize with you, but I'm not going to raise up and get frustrated back at you. I can come back with service or help you out with whatever you're going through that's making you get frustrated. Mm. So it gave me the ability. It's like, okay, cool. I need to be better at increasing the stimulus to response so I can choose better emotions, choose better actions. And that served me so much in leading. <laughs> it served me so much in business. Mm. Um, served me so much in like, you know, responding to people on Facebook. And the other thing, like he, he says, it's like, when we are no longer, uh, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And it, it go, that's just reflection. Like, okay, today, I can't change Facebook ad prices. I can't change who I have on my team, maybe. I don't know, like whoever's listening. But if you can't change them, then you need to change you. Stop, like, the you know, Jocko, again, extreme ownership. Yeah. It, that, that is Fuck, an incredible man. book, yeah. It, like, extreme yeah. ownership. Like, yeah. take that shit, own it. Your team's not selling, your fault. Not yeah. getting leads, your fault. Not making money, your fault. Oh, but I'm not the one that does. Yep, your fault because you didn't teach them well enough. Yeah. Your fault because you don't have the scripts. Your fault because the leads aren't good enough quality. It's your fault. Yeah. You didn't motivate them enough. Everything is your fault. As soon as you understand that everything in business and everything in life is your fault, the situation you're in right now 
If you're broke, your fault. Don't have a partner, your fault. Business is going down the toilet, your fault. Overweight, your fault. As soon as you actually take some fucking ownership, then, then only, you can never move forward in life unless you first take ownership. Then when you take ownership, you take responsibility. Okay, you take accountability. Okay, you take responsibility. You take those, you become a victor at life because before you take ownership, you're a victim. You blame other people for your, exp- your excuse, where you're at. You blame the salespeople. You blame the marketing people. You, know, you make excuses, the leads weren't good. You justify your fucking circumstance. Oh, I'm overweight because I'm fucking tired. It's like, no, like you're being a victim. Mm. You're saying the world dictates the terms to you. you. The world doesn't dictate to you. You dictate to the world your outcome. The world doesn't change you. You change the world, okay? Or you change yourself to fit that world and you get to fucking choose where your life goes. And anyone that says to me that they have to follow the the path that's been given yeah. to them, I was like, fuck that. Make your own fucking path. You have the all the knowledge in the world at your fucking disposal for fucking $10, okay, through Kindle. Watch some YouTube, wake up earlier and actually make something happen. Should I be successful? No. The world says no. Yeah. Okay. The world, like that's not a predetermined outcome. You get up there, you go, there's some success. No, a hundred percent. But should I be successful? A hundred percent. I shouldn't be successful. Right. Like I can't read properly. I am probably one of the worst at business. I just have some resilience, some grit, some stubbornness, and I have an unrelentless passion for like knowledge consumption. Mm. And I want to serve the world as best I can. So it's not about being like the best at something. It's about trying to help the world as best as you can with something. Yeah. You know, one thing you said there, actually two things. I mean, the whole pleasing people, that for me has been uh, a massive growth in my life. I, I realized that. But something you also said as well that connected it is <coughs> the gap between the stimulus and the response. So I'm, I'm a massive advocate of meditation and not even med- meditation, but mindfulness because it creates a gap between the stimulus and the response. And it's taken me a long time to realize that a lot of the problems I was having was because it was in stimulus and it was an ingrained default response. And then I kept, I kept going, why aren't I changing? Why aren't I changing? Well, the default, the default software in my mind kept driving me back towards that outcome. But as I was able to build a gap and be able to go, oh, hang on a sec. I come from maybe a bit more of a fear-based sort of approach. And I go, oh, oh, that scares me. That, that concerns me. And that's okay. Let me just sit with that. Let me understand that. And let me be able to move forward with that. Yeah. And it's very interesting in yourself how, you know, you're a very energetic guy. I, I, I have a hard time sort of envisioning you sitting there trying to zen out for a few minutes. But it's interesting how you sort of come around to that sort of idea about the gap and stimulus response to your own right as well. So. Yeah. I, like, I, I knew I needed to meditate a little while ago. So I do transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do it two times 20 minutes a day I do it just 20 minutes a day mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like it's, you know it's, again sacrifice yeah. right if I sacrifice another 20 minutes I'm sacrificing something else so I choose to meditate but I choose to meditate again on my terms um, and like meditation is crucial right medication allows you to be able to have stimulus and response but a lot of the time like you said like we don't often understand that we we get to choose the response um, we have this you know for some of us right you know we go we think about sales and so many people if they're afraid of sales they're like, yeah. like, they, they like tightness of breath yeah. cortisol increases stress overloads oh, I'm not good at sales they're not yeah. going to answer they're not going to buy and all of a sudden the state that we put ourselves yeah. in dictates the story we tell ourselves and it becomes a self-fulfilling yeah. outcome and the story we tell ourselves when we even use the right strategy yeah. the right strategy is executed poorly so then all of a sudden our sales go bad yeah. but 
But if we chose a different story or we chose essentially that, you know, sales doesn't have to be bad. Sales is actually amazing because it's problem solving and helping yeah. someone. If you choose not to jump on the phone and talk to this person, you are letting them down because you problem solving their health, their business, their marketing, their whatever your business is. If you choose to get on the phone and problem solve for that for them, like lives are changed in moments, yeah. right? And you could have changed their life. And like, it's not sales. If you problem solve for them and you show them a solution and show them where they are and they choose to do business with you, they sold themselves. Yeah. Sales is actually a positive experience. And all of a sudden it's like fear and excitement run on the same pathways. Yeah. And it's like, okay, stimulus and response. Like I get to choose excitement. Like I'm excited for a sales call. I'm not fearful of rejection. Yeah. Like if they say no, I hope I serve them. Yeah. I hope I left. I, yeah. I left them better, better. now because yeah. I, now they know a little bit more about so it. So it's know? not fear. Yeah. How can you fear doing something where you're trying to help someone? Yeah. Like you can't. You get excited to help people, right? Same as walking up to a girl on the bus. Same as anything. Get fucking excited yeah. more. Stop getting fear. Like jumping out of a plane. You know, you get so scared the first time. Like you're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I'm gonna yeah. die. Am I gonna die? Am I gonna die? And I took my coaching guys. I made them all jump out of planes, right? Because it's like, let me know how you feel for before and then let me know how you feel after. They feel so much fear before and as soon as they jump out, it's like this feeling of amazing yeah. excitement. They're like, this is the best experience of my life. Like, that's everything. Everything outside of your comfort zone, most people fear first. Then they do it and they feel like it was the best thing they've ever done in their yeah. life. That's sales. That's their first kiss. That's walking up to the yeah. girl. That's starting your own business. Fear and excitement. Like, just choose excitement more often. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, this this conversation has given me a little bit of, uh, it's given me some tingles because th- that has actually been my journey because I started in Australia sort of not not willingly out of, uh, out of you know, uh, necessity having to do a sales role. And I never envisioned myself as sales and I had a negative view of sales, but I was forced to do it is do the sales job where you can get on a flight and go back to Canada. In my dream, what I told people about, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to prove it. And I'm going to show everybody I'm not going to be a failure. That was the way I had to go. But I used to remember, I still remember, like I would, it would start ringing and I would slam down the phone, right? Because I was in that like, oh, I'm going to get rejected. They're going to hate it. And that's why I started to meditate. And through the meditation, then I then began to realize, I'm like, ah, oh, hang on a sec. They, they fear. I, why do I fear rejection? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? How can I begin to make that deliberate response? And now I've found after how many years of this, it's taken me a while and I'm still not perfect. I've now at a point where I'm like, hey, I'm just going to cold message TJ. Like, hey, TJ, I've got this podcast. You know, yeah. it's it's pretty incredible how it changes everything. And it's hard, man. Like, and for everyone, right? Like, people message me sometimes and, like, I don't get back to them. But, like, it's not a negative response. Like, mm-hmm. like for example, like, I don't even know if you message me. Like, we talk through Phil yeah. as well, right? Like, but, like, like people like, oh, TJ didn't get back to me. That I shouldn't have messaged him. It's like, no, just message me again. Yeah. And if I don't get back to you, just message me again. They create me. Just, it's not this yeah, guy's yeah. a jerk. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. like me. Oh, who knows? Yeah, yeah, like who knows the reason why I didn't? Maybe I just had a hundred messages that day. Yeah. Like, you know, Facebook's banned me multiple times from messaging people. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's just like for you, they they give up too easy. It's like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't do an interview with you because you did give up too easy. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm teaching you a lesson. Yeah. It's called persistence. Yeah. Um, Go again. Yeah. yeah. There's so much we could do on that. Um, I feel like there's a whole podcast there. But I do want to get to another part of your story that is uh, is insane because you, you had, going back to the gym, you're running a number of gyms, but you do um, – you do small business essentially consulting now and you have a lot of services around that. But the story in which that came about 
is rather interesting. Love if you can take us through. How did you get into yeah. small business consulting? Yeah, man. Like, um, you know, some people had asked me to consult for a while and you know, I was doing a little bit on the side here and there and um, like not much. And, you know, a group of people said, um, you know, they've been watching our gym uh, for us for the last couple of years. And, you know, if we don't pay them $20,000 in seven days, they're going to shoot me. Um, like seriously, uh, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Uh, I didn't see this one happening. I was like, I don't "Not know. something you planned for." Yeah, you got yeah. a little bit of money there yeah. for when people like, threaten you. How life. do you tell the government this? Yeah, like for tax purposes. That's, that's, <laughs> can I write this off? Yeah. Um, like, um, but I was like, "Okay." I knew that was serious. I was like, "I, I can't be bothered not paying them," but I don't have twenty thousand dollars. I need to come up with twenty thousand dollars. So, like, I just put a post on Facebook, and I was like, "I'm um, doing consulting. Let me jump on the phone with you." It's eight thousand dollars for essentially um, eight weeks and I guarantee or I'll double your money back mm. okay I'll guarantee you get $16,000 in, in eight weeks um, it was a thousand dollar deposit and we ended up selling like you know over seven days like 30 people we, we got like 20k in and it launched our business consulting and I paid the 20k I was like don't ever ask me for money again yes yeah. and like that, that was that that part was over of my life um, and whatever services rendered I, I don't know what they were but you know they yeah. got 20,000 for it um, but like again you know obstacle good why was it good because it put me down a whole new path it forced me to become a business consultant and like we sold a hundred people into an eight thousand dollar program over the next 10 weeks Mm -hmm. we made eight hundred thousand dollars in business consulting in like 10 weeks and from after the eight-week course like we said we're only taking 40 people for this mastermind that was like three times the price everyone else was charging was like 35k for 12 months and we sold 40 people on the back end of that so we like grew this essentially like two million dollar business in fucking three months and i was like for sure, I'm glad that I had to. That was a, that was a lesson. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I had to pay 20k. Yeah. I'm happy to pay that every day. Best if it forces me. Yeah. I know best yeah. investment ever. I was forced to take action. Yeah. Okay, and it's like it got us into consulting, and then. A couple of years of flying around the world, swimming with sharks, jumping out of planes with all my consulting crew. It was like awesome. Um, we used to catch up three times a year around the world, <coughs> and um, yeah, like. After four years, I was like, we got kids. We don't want to travel anymore. Shut down a $2 million company overnight. I was like, money is not worth it. And to start last year, we said, we're going to do an Australian-based business instead so we don't have to travel. That's better for our family. Um, you know, my wife is the love of my life. And, you know, she 100% has calmed me down as a person. And my kids 100% calmed me down <laughs> even further. So, like, you know, my, my family is everything to me. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, like we started coaching just Australian businesses. We coached like 23, 24 different industries from like lolly shops to accountants to hmm. dentists to plumbers. We coach everyone now and we help them. You know, we, we specialize in helping businesses scale to seven figures. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's where we sit in. Um, you know, some of our businesses are like nine, 10 million now uh, from like 200K. Um, so like they're killing it. But, um, you know, that's, that's where we play. And then, so it was a necessity. That's why we opened up the business. And then, you know, we teach people genius level tasks and we teach people where they should focus their time and all that sort of stuff. And after, you know, coaching for a little while, all of a sudden it was like, um, 
people knew that, okay, marketing isn't where I should be spending my time. Um, and we're like, and they're like, can you do it? I was like, okay. So we started another company, which is called Attain Digital, which we do digital marketing yeah. for um, businesses. And we have like 50 different clients, you know, like, and we consult, we, we essentially do digital marketing through Facebook and Instagram for companies around the world. Um, so like, you know, it's, it's grown and that grew to a seven figure business again in like four months. Crazy. It's like, hey, we offer this service now, but there was people waiting. Yeah. There's people waiting to buy your service. And it's like, bang, I'll put a face. If I put a Facebook post up right now and go, hey, guys, I'm taking on three more gyms for marketing, or hey, I'm taking on two hair salons for marketing, like those spots are filled. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, okay, and they hire for more people. Um, and why are they filled? Because I wake up every day. I'm like, what am I going to Three things. What am I going to learn today? And like, what am I going to learn today? And who am I going to share it with? Yeah. Okay. What am I going to learn today? And who am I going to share it with? Like, that's the two, there's two questions I asked myself. I was like, the other one is like, who am I grateful for? And how am I going to let them know? Yeah. Um, but like, what am I going to learn today? And who am I going to share it with? And I do that through like, whether it be Insta or whether it be Facebook. And I do that every day. And because you have that there, you have a captive marketplace waiting to hear what you say. When you have a captive marketplace waiting to hear what you say, <laughs> then all of a sudden you can just sell them whatever you want. Yeah. Like, I, I think... You know, I talk about this all the time. It's like, you know, the the engagement formula, passion is f- purely there. Like, I'm a very passionate person. Um, I talk, and when I write, I do things that I, like, fucking love. Yeah. Um, and I believe I can change someone's life in a moment. Um, so I, I need to talk with passion, because if I know it, I'm, there, I'm 120 and they're 80. I need to lift them to 100. So I, I need to talk with passion. I have to sometimes, even when I don't want to, because I know that they need that. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, passion, crucial. Okay? If I can go passion mixed with education, so passion, education, and proof that that's the Venn diagram of engagement because yeah. if you keep showing up every day with passion and you keep showing up every day well passion or purpose I believe that's the same thing so it's purpose proof and education those three things and you keep showing up keep showing up keep showing up people are like fuck like this guy keeps educating me it's like oh my god and he keeps showing me like proof that he's yeah. good at what he does and oh my god and it's the difference between you educating them and you have proof yeah. and there's a passionate person and there's, or there's a person that just sounds like fucking like an idiot, yeah. like or they have no passion. They're going to choose a passionate person every single day of the week because they're like, fuck, I know that this guy, he loves this shit. Yeah. And I want to be around that. It's but, just a transaction yeah. of emotion too. I just want to be around that. Yeah. I want more of this. I had someone message me the other day and they're like, I want to sign up for your consulting, but can you sell me in person? Because I got told just being around you <laughs> yeah. is going to make me feel like I can fucking run through a yeah. wall. It's like, hey, bro, yeah, for sure. Come down to the office. I'll sell you in person instead. Like, it's yeah, like, sure. that I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, if that's what you feel you need right yeah. now, I like, that's the messages you want. You want someone to go, hey, how can I pay you $10,000? And can I pay you in person yeah. instead of over the phone? Because I want to be around you when I pay you. Like, like, that's different. And it's like, fuck, okay. Like, maybe I'm doing something right. Maybe I should talk with passion. Maybe I should keep educating. Okay. And then you reflect at the end of the week and it's like, okay, did I educate enough right now? Did I do it this week? Or did I, did I miss the boat? Did I, did I help enough people? You know, was to have enough purpose or passion to show enough proof so people believe it. Because some people don't believe it. Like I'm saying, I'm good at what I do. I'm good at what I do. I'm good at what I do. All right. That again, that's ego, but that's a statement. Yeah. Okay. That's a statement. If I have a bunch of other people running around saying I'm good at what I do, it's not a statement anymore. It's a fucking fact. 
because they translated my statement into a fact because of third-party credibility. So as a business owner, you should have as many people running around as advocates and raving fans and showing proof and doing video testimonials, having screen captures, because all of a sudden, yeah, you are the best at what you do because everyone else is saying it, not you. And that's how your business grows. Mm. You know, it's funny because as you talk about that and as I start to kind of sit back and look at your journey, you are really for yourself on this pursuit of you just want to learn, right? Because you have a vision, you have the chip on your shoulder that you need to build this, right? You built it for you. From that transition and building it, then you are able to then start to give that back. You're just basically just pulling your hand down and pulling up to the people who need that bit, as I'm sure you did with your mentors and, and the YouTube videos you had. You're essentially just pulling people along with the knowledge and information. And really, it's just about your journey. And it's sort of an insight as to as you go on and as you provide service and as you provide the learning part of it, isn't it? Yeah. I believe that, um, like, I, I love the health business and I love the consulting business um, because I believe it's helping people reach their full potential in life and I believe so many people don't realize their true potential Mm. and I think my gift in life is to facilitate people to reach their true potential yeah that's really it and I love to um and something I appreciated, and I'm not not to just not 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 as a, I'm not trying to do this deliberately, but it will come off probably. Uh, it will come off slightly deliberate, maybe or slightly cheesy. But even what I found at your gym as well, and the methodology when you're trying to train, you were working on your squat and your deadlift and your nutrition, but it was a catalyst for more because if you can get up at 5 a.m., which I really didn't love, but I had to come down and train. If you can get up at 5 a.m. to come to the gym and lift weights and eat the food you don't want to do, and you can start to develop this muscle of discipline, um, as our good friend Jocko Willing wants to say, discipline equals freedom. So if you can start to begin to create this, it all of a sudden becomes, I found, extraordinarily easy on-ramp to then go, oh, there's all this other work I have to do. I really don't want to do it. But it to me, it just becomes easier because you've developed that muscle of discipline. But it starts with... I love physical fitness, right? 100%, man. Discipline is just like any other muscle, right? Yeah. You just got to work on it every day. So is willpower. I think so many people, like, you know, if, they, like I say this all the time, right? Just do what you said you would do. Yeah. Like, if you just do what you said you would do every single day, your life would be completely different, okay? But we are used, and this is why I say you must, this is the crucial factor as far as being a consultant, okay, a coach, mentor, and being in health and fitness. They say that someone who has a mentor makes 3.5 times more money. 3.5 times more money. The person who has an accountability partner in the gym, Harvard study, they lose, I think it's like six times more weight. Mm. Now, this is an interesting fact, right? Do you, because you have a mentor, it's not because of what the mentor is teaching yeah. you. It's the accountability they're giving you, yeah. okay, just to do what you said you would do. You're not, res- you're not owning it up to yourself anymore. You're not responsible for your own actions. You're, you're responsible to someone else. You're accountable to someone else. Same as the accountability partner in gym or the buddy. Yeah. The fact is that we lie to ourselves every single day. Like, Blatantly. No, no, 100%. Yeah, but we justify. We become a victim, right? Yeah. We justify. Oh, I, I press snooze on my alarm because I didn't sleep well last night. It's like, fuck your, your fucking sleep. Get up and fucking train. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is way more important than that. I'm just going to do this. Or oh, I'm scrolling on my, my news feed instead of doing the work because uh, it's been a super stressful day. Oh, I need to have a glass of wine because it helps me relax. It's like, yeah. lie, lie, yeah. lie, lie. And you're just doing it to yourself in your own head. And you play these stories in your head that justify your fucking mediocrity 
Okay, so when you're when you're ready to stop being fucking mediocre, the only thing you have to do is just stop lying to yourself. Mediocrity stops when the lies stop. Okay, and then you actually get to excel at life. When you stop lying to yourself, your true potential is found. And you stop lying to yourself when you get accountable to someone else. Because, again, discipline is a muscle. Sometimes you need someone else to help you work that muscle until you can work it yourself. Whatever it takes, as long as you can get there. Yeah. yeah. You know, on that, I had the opportunity to reach out to a few people who, who knew you. Actually, for some former guests of the show, some of other your raving fans. And I got this one question that I was a bit surprised universally. And that's... People know you from the business and they know about, you know, how many gyms you want to build and how many people you want to reach. But for yourself, what are you working for? What are you working towards? Uh, there's a couple of things, right? Like ego, I want a hundred million dollar company. Okay. So that's that, like, I'm happy to say that, man. Yeah. Um, that like, I was like, I feel like there's a, the, and I thought that was about a $10 million company. I like, <laughs> I, um, this is crucial. Um, I remember listening to someone a little while ago. His name's Dan Sullivan. He has a, a mentoring program called Strategic Coach over in North America. Um, and I was listening to a podcast he did, and um, he said, uh, and I went through this for a while, I was falling into this void of unfulfillment um, because I always wanted more. And when I had, didn't want a gym, I wanted one. And then I want, had one, I wanted four. And when I had four, I wanted 12. When I had 12, I wanted 20. I hadn't even got to 12 yet, right? Like, you, you keep pushing yeah. it. It's like, you know, entrepreneurialism is like running into the sunset. Okay. The problem is you never actually reach the sunset. Yeah. So it's always beyond your grasp. So if you never reflect and look backwards and pat yourself on the shoulder for how far you've come, you never truly will become fulfilled. So you drop in the, this chasm uh, where it's like where I want to go and where I am now. And you're constantly never where you want to yeah. be. Um, so, yeah, like I'm super happy for where we're at. Um, I would be happy if we didn't grow anymore. Um, I would have to go into a new venture because like me personally, like I need growth and yeah. stimulation. And, you know, RBT is so amazing right now because it's, it's, it forces me to be uh, new strengths. Yeah. I have to try and embody a culture. And then instead of like trying to like help a small team yeah. of like 10 or even like we had a smaller company, like I have multiple little companies with like teams of 10. I can see them day to day, give them passion, lift them up. You're a deliverer of hope as mm. a leader. You deliver hope every day. Um, like that is your job. So how do you deliver hope across the world every day to people who don't even see you? Yeah. This is the challenge I'm faced with right now. And it's helping me become the next version of me. So it is, it is amazing with RBT right now. And I want to get across 20,000 members. Okay. I want to get 80 gyms. And, you know, we, we are going to launch multiple lines inside the company from, you know, supplements to food to cryo um, to make sure our, with, this is a business podcast, yeah. so I'm happy for everyone to understand. It's like, you know, average dollar per member is $97 a week. Mm -hmm. And if I can do that, then we hit a $100 million company, yeah. right? Like, but I'm doing it from a place of service. Like I'm doing it, like if people come to me for training, they should come to me for food. If people come to me for training, they should come to me for supplements. Yeah. People come to me for training they should come to me for recovery and cryo people come to me like that that's that's it you wouldn't be doing your job unless yeah, you gave i'm not them serving that them i'm not then, serving the marketplace yeah. well enough man yeah. and you know the amount of money you make is in direct reflection to the amount of service you're giving to the marketplace so i, I have to reflect right and i'm like okay 
at 10 million, we're serving this much. To make 100 million, how much more do I need to serve? And that's, if you can answer that, then you can grow your business. Mm-hmm. So that's that business. And you might, have, you might already feel like you've kind of answered this, but I, do, but I do want to put it back to yourself then. So beyond the $100 million business, what else has really got you excited and really fired up about sort of the future? I mean, we've, we've already spent this while last, you know, about hour or so learning about your journey, learning about the hustle to start one gym, you know, uh, you know the grind to start another, a few, a few whoopsie-daisies in the meantime, the, you know, the almost happy accident of starting the consulting business and now obviously the, what you're doing with RBT. But in that... What are you really excited for in the future? What's next for um, Travis? Like, to be honest, man, the thing, like, the consulting's great. Like, I really enjoy the consulting. It doesn't truly excite me. Um, I, I'm good at it, and my team is great at it. Um, I think that's the biggest thing as well. Like, you need to have amazing people on your team, and I'm so fortunate that RBT, Business Performance Coaching, like, Think Tank, Italian, like, I have the most amazing people on my teams. Um, like, I'm so fortunate at that. Um, but to grow the consulting, you know, we wanted to go, th- you know, across three continents and we want to grow it to like 400 people each place. So we want to like, get to 1200 over the next couple of years. <clears throat> we want to get a hundred people in our digital agency. Um, like we, that's, that's, so it's just doubling. Yeah. Um, it, it's not a big thing, like, you know, for them. So the, the problem is like, it, you know why it doesn't excite me because it's not a challenge. Um, so it's like I can just it's like oh just keep just doing, do, what do doing what you're doing just yeah. do more what you're doing and, yeah. and you're gonna keep getting there yeah. um, like it's, so it's time so time doesn't excite me what excites me at the moment is the app um, so we're, we're just launching Keystone as a software as a service and um, you know we have amazing team there as well like the best um, and you know we're going into the tech space and it will be a million dollar company I would say in six months but it will be a $10 million company in two years. Um, and I know exactly how we're going to get there. Um, and at that $10 million mark, you know, we, we essentially can put money into you know, the artificial intelligence. We can, you know, the stuff we're going to be doing with this app is, is crazy. Mm. Um, but again, the tech space is crazy, it's, right? It's like insane. it's insane, man. Yeah. Like my fitness pal sold to Under Armour yeah. for four hundred and fifty million dollars. And and if you look at it, I mean, I I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but they yeah. bought the data, yeah. right? So for us, if we can get like ten thousand coaches on board, you know, a thousand is a million dollars a year, right? Yeah. Ten thousand is ten million dollars a year. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Okay, who do I need to become for that to happen? Okay, that's the question. Yeah. Um, they, I need to build a tribe. They need to follow me. They need to see this app is great. Um, so 10,000 people on this app and $10 million. But those 10,000 people will probably have about 50 to 100 clients. So I have about 100,000 active users yeah. on an app. The data that I can collect from that is Facebook data. <laughs> it's like a rough time right now. Yeah. The data I can collect on that to understand the best and most optimal way that the corporate person who is 25 to 30, who's female, who's this, that, that, and this is the most optimal diet, the most optimal training, the most yeah. optimal this, how do we, you know, the data I can collect to transform lives will transform an industry. It's like the original trans- idea of the transformation, but yeah. on some serious steroids, yeah. no pun intended. Yeah, but like that that's exciting. Yeah. It's not even the money. Yeah. The money's not exciting. The ability to actually transform an industry, uh, that is exciting. 
Well, and and having worked in, working in and adoring the tech space as well too, the thing that I think gets me most excited and I see about your journey as well is that you're looking to help more people. So you start in in Melbourne, then you do Australia, a little bit all over the world, but the the technology sector has no boundaries. So you might be helping 10,000 people in the Ukraine or 2,000 people in Canada kind of thing. So you're, you're... your, your ability to reflect is just a, I think, just a continuation of the same spectrum, really, isn't it? Yep. So on that, and keeping an eye on time, we're going to jump to a rapid-fire question. So uh, I've got a couple questions here. I always ask my guests. Your questions, or the answers can be long or short. It's up to you. And if you need me to stall, which I, I highly doubt in this case, but you need me to stall, you can uh, let me know and I can go into it. But you ready to go? Yep. So, on. so the first one is, is what book has most changed your life? And I'd love if you can place this as to where you read it and what context did it change everything? Um, like Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. Um, probably the biggest changer for me. Whilst it's actually a hard read. Yes. <laughs> like, I found it was a really hard read, but it was um, a life changing because it challenged me. Um, it challenged me to look at my life and if someone could, you know, go through what he went through yeah. um, and to understand, you know, you know, your life could, you know, you could lose your life at any moment yeah. um, and you still get to choose your emotions and he got to choose the right ones yeah. and all the rest. It's like, man, like, why am I bitching about <laughs> everything that I'm going through? Like, choose some better fucking emotions. Yeah, you're, you're, you crap. You're, you're, you're stuck in traffic and your cold coffee all of a sudden yeah. fairly irrelevant. Don't yeah, you? like, you know, you know, your problems are yeah. irrelevant to the world. Like, man up. Um, so that was probably the most life-changing book. Do you remember when you read it? Uh, five years ago. Five years ago? Yep. Who's been the greatest influence on your life growing up? And it could be somebody you didn't know or maybe some other prominent figure. Uh, the most prominent influence was uh, Tony Merrick. He was my strength and conditioning coach, mate, owns a gym actually in Perth. Um, he, yeah, he just inspired me to want to become in the health and fitness industry. Hmm. So I would say that's pretty um, prominent. <laughs> Absolutely. What gives you a disproportionate return um, on your investment of your time and energy? Conversations. Any particular types of conversations? Say on the YT podcast? Uh, yeah, well, it's been about to help more people, right? Like, yeah. for me, like, I move from conversation to conversation every day. That's all I do. Yeah. Um, like, I don't, it's funny, right? Like, people are like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I actually don't do anything anymore. I have conversations and I deliver hope. I help people overcome problems. Um, I just have conversations yeah. all day. Um, and the fact that I get to have conversations to inspire people to do more, be more, want to have more, um, inspire people to overcome um, problems that they thought they couldn't so they can have clarity in their moment to moment. I get to have conversations that literally inspire me um, to want to challenge myself to become better. Like my conversations I get to have every single day, like a person's life can be changed in a moment. Um, so I have to look at every conversation I have is a life-changing conversation. Yeah. So I get to change lives every day. Perfect. What mantra or inspirational quote has most changed your life? And like before, if you remember, can you tell us where you first heard it? Um, a mantra that for me, like, you know, I, I say this, like I have it tattooed on me. It's like live, um, essentially like it's on my forearm it's like literally it's like dreams if you'll live forever and live as if you die today um i think back then when i when i got it tattooed it was probably the one of the most prominent sayings it's like i am a dreamer um and i dream during the day not just at night and i live as if i'll die today 
um, I think it's one of the most crucial um, statements because it's like, man, that's a risky thing. Should you be doing that? It's like, fuck. Like, if I don't, I'll regret not yeah. doing it. What if so, I don't? Look at yeah, your arm. Like, there you go. I was yeah. like, fuck. Like, tomorrow might not even yeah. come. I could walk across the road today and get hit by a bus. And I was like, it's not even an unlikely yeah, either. Yeah, you know? Like, man, like, I hop on that many planes. Like, yeah. I'm due for one to fall out of the sky. Like, yeah. like, you know, man, like, if I don't act every day, then it hurt my legacy. Yeah. So I need to treat every day, every conversation, if it's my last conversation with someone, I want someone, every person, every time to leave my presence with them feeling better because of it. Yeah. And that is the true embodiment of dream as if you live forever and live as if you'll die today. It's like, you know, every, the last time someone sees you is that has how they'll remember you. Yeah. So like I need them to be every interaction, every conversation to be powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think just on that from a personal note as well too the the fear of death um, is is an incredibly motivating force and I, I have something similar on my own my mental more um, but just to actively because again back to what I said earlier I get caught in a bit of a oh should I do that kind of mindset a bit of a fear base and that's why I have it on my arm to look at it and go oh yeah no we're gonna do this awesome. last question love to know about your morning routine and as uh, knowing you i expect big things on this no no 7 p.m and big yeah. breakfast you know no no nah, like it's changed actually this week quite funny <laughs> um like you know someone broke into a um uh one of the smash one of the windows in the south car um this week so my morning routine has shifted even further further forward an hour so i'm up at like 4 30 a.m now because um, you know i just want to make sure that no one's lurking the streets smashing windows so i'm yeah. sitting out the front of the gym for a couple of weeks just to make sure i can i can <laughs> do that for the members it's like nothing's above me i'll sit in my car i'll listen to a youtube and i'll write yeah. some notes like it gives me more education um so normally um, like 5.15 at wake up um, and I'll go to the gym then and it's a bit of my alone time I'll hit a training program um, at 6.30 I'll again go to the coffee shop and I'll read for 30 minutes and I'll write some notes um, 7 o'clock I get home and, and Liv will go to the gym and the boys wake up and it's me and the boys for like 45 minutes uh, me and the, the, my 8 month old and 3 and a half year old so you know, changing uh, clothes, having baby chinos, all the rest of it. Um, Liv comes home at like 8.20. All of us as a family for a good hour and a half. Um, that's good family time. 10 a.m., like we start, right? Like mm-hmm. I have two coffees and that's breakfast. Like I have I intermittent fast like every day. Um, 10 a.m., I start work. I go through my th- top three problems for the day, like my biggest challenges, and then I move into conversations. Um, so, you know, we all work on things. Yeah. Uh, but I start the day with, you know, movement and, and mindfulness and education. Um, so like that's, you know, when I, when I train, it's like meditation and train and education. Um, and my day flows on and like 4.30, I finish, I, I um, get the boys, we go to the park, we play inside and, you know, six o'clock is dinner and, um, you know, seven o'clock's bath time, <laughs> you know, 7.30, me and Jacks get to read a story every night, um, you know, eight o'clock is in bed and then, you know, eight till nine, it's me and Liv. Uh, it's, it's, it's our day. Like I, that, that is my day I live every day of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are like, really, you do the same thing every day of your life? Um, yeah, Saturdays and Sundays in the middle of the day, I don't work. Instead of doing everything else, yeah. I go to play centers yeah. and it's like jumping <laughs> about, yeah, yeah. Like climb with jacks. Yeah. But like every single day of my life is the, is a replica of the one beforehand. Um, consistency breeds results, breeds results. But at the same time, like I worked so hard to yeah. have a life 
that I could have this day. I remember like six years ago, I had to write down what my dream day would look like. And this was it. Like my dream day is working. My my dream day is being able to work when I want to work and not work when I want to work. Like, you know, if I don't want to work, I'll I'll go and hang out with Jackson. Nobody's going to be like, hey, "Hey, you should go to work today. It's like, no one cares. My house, my rules. Yeah, Yeah. like, um, but my dream is to work. My dream is to wake up and train in the morning. My dream is to educate myself every day. My dream is to write notes on that. My dream is to be able to be there for my wife and be there for my kids. My dream is to innovate companies. Like my dream is to knock off and, you know, be with my kids in the afternoon because that's what I love. Mm-hmm. I love being around them. My dream is to be able to lay in bed with my son and read my story. And my dream is to connect with my wife every night before we go to sleep, asking what she had great for today and what I did great today and truly connect with her. Like that, that is my dream. And it's like serving all the aspects of my life, like my health, my finances, you know, my relationships, it's serving my business, like it serves my personal growth. Like I serve every aspect of my life every single day. So if you can create a day that serves you in all areas of your life, then like live that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing that popped into my mind is a big saying I love is the little things are the big things and the consistency for yourself. Those little things consistently create over years you know beautiful family great relationship you know mental you know your own sort of mental stability a big business but again just those little things done every, every day. day man every day like kaizen right kaizen is, is a philosophy we always play with right one percent better every day yeah. i lift one percent more i can com- I have a conversation one percent better i can lead one percent better i can fucking market one percent better I, I can be a better dad one percent better be more present yeah. like you know everything kaizen is the ability to slowly over time just consistent small changes will get the big result yeah um and that's like you don't wake up you don't meet a girl and get married you yeah. meet a girl and every day you you work to become her husband yeah. and then you work to be have the best marriage you don't always like, i'm gonna have a million dollar business and yeah. you work every day to have that million dollar business like you you don't become a like a father no you work to then allow your child to let you be their father yeah. like every day you fucking work on it and like like consistency bridges results yeah. like consistency and it's like you don't get to choose to be a dad one day of the week you're a fucking dad every day yeah. you don't get to I choose to be, today off yeah, yeah. yeah like you, you don't because like you choose to be a dad or not and choosing not to is, is you get that's a choice as well yeah. like you don't choose to be a business owner or not every day you're a business owner because every day you're thinking about fucking business yeah. like like you if you choose not to think about business like maybe you shouldn't be in business like maybe you should go get a job yeah like and there's nothing wrong with that with that yeah there's nothing wrong with that but get some security if you want to switch off go and get a job yeah okay if you want to not switch off then become a business owner and live the fucking roller coaster yeah on that, where can people uh, stay up to date with your uh, with your life and your journey and obviously with your Facebook as well? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, man, is uh, just facebook.com slash allabouttravis. Um, yeah, that's my, my personal Facebook. Yeah. You know, I share everything through there. Yeah. Uh, if you want to connect, um, you know, be persistent and keep asking me and I'll finally get back to you. If you want to hear random things, see some passion, some education, um, hit me up there. Um, Instagram, uh, Travis Jones underscore RB. Thank
Yeah. And just on that too, I mean, uh, so much I've gotten out of your social media and part of me being a part of that tribe as well is, is very much I look at things and, I, and I've come to the realization that even if you're talking about a topic that doesn't necessarily pertain to me, there's still the wisdom behind that. You had a marketing one a while back and, and I kind of sat back and I, I really thought about it and meditated on it and realized the, the life lessons as a part of it. And just so much of, again, looking at sitting back, having the opportunity to sit in your journey and seeing just the how things just began to compound together from starting a gym to many gyms, to the businesses, to what you've been able to create. It's it's incredible to see just those little actions done, probably bigger actions in the early days, mind you, but just those <coughs> things done over time and, and what an incredible business and you've created. But Travis, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, such such a pleasure and honor to sit down with you. Um, I suppose, lastly, do you have a message at all for the, for the Y2 audience? Any one line? sort of thing you want to impart to to, to people today um, I, I just think the biggest thing man is like I hope everyone leaves and they understand that uh, you know you get to choose to be a victor in life and you know you dictate life life doesn't dictate you um, so please don't be a victim please you know run your race and fuck everyone else awesome. thanks so much Travis <laughs>